Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, FightfulMMA.com. It is now technically January 20th. We are here to talk UFC on ESPN+, Plus, UFC Fight Night Brooklyn, Dillashaw versus Cejudo, whatever you want to call it, in any number of things right now. I am flying solo tonight. I know a lot of you are brand new to FightfulMMA.com. I'll give you a bit of a rundown, but I want to thank uh, the Talking MMA community First, uh, because we had one of our most successful live coverages of all time, over 1,600 comments on our live coverage and discussion. I encourage all of you who maybe haven't in the past, come and join those. We do them for Raw, SmackDown, every pro wrestling, every major MMA show, UFC, Bellator, all that good stuff. It felt really good to have uh, dozens of people in there talking to us. And we hope you guys stick around. If this is your first time visiting Fightful MMA, we specialize in the crossover between MMA, boxing, and pro wrestling and have individual sites for each one of those. Millions of downloads, hundreds of interviews. Uh, We have James Lynch on staff who does some incredible interviews. Showdown Joe, who if you've watched MMA in Canada, you know who Showdown Joe is. Uh, We have David Tease who does our news. We have Jeremy Lambert who works with me as well. Just a great team. In the past, we've worked with Elias Theodoru, Matt Riddle, Patrick Cote, Frank Trigg. Lots of uh, nice MMA names to help give us some credibility in that regard. But we're going to talk about the, the card, some of the, some of the happenings on there. Give you some of my recommendations for the watch, don't watch. Every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, myself, Showdown Joe, James Lynch, all come at you with the Fightful MMA podcast, and boy, is there plenty to talk about tonight. First off, we have the UFC on ESPN era kicking off. I'll I'll walk through my experience. I want some of your experiences as well because it is a new format, at least for us in the States. Uh, Jimmy Van, the owner of Fightful.com, we are a Toronto-based company, hit me up and said, I don't have to use ESPN+. Plus. We have TSN up here. That's where all the fights are. So when I talk to guys like Showdown Joe and James Lynch, that's the experience they'll get too. I get a much different one. Now, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember watching fights on Spike, on Ion, on Facebook, on 
UFC.tv, UFC Fight Pass, uh, probably a dozen different channels, including all the prelims and all that stuff. So to have it on the ESPN group of networks, that's nice. That That's kind of cool. Uh, I liked ESPN+. Plus. In fact, when I tuned into it today, I got to watch my beloved Kentucky Wildcats uh, win a game tonight. That was cool. And there's a lot of content on there. I have DirecTV, so I'm able to log in directly through that and uh, get ESPN, the, the main channel content there as well. However, when I switched to that stream at 8 p.m., didn't necessarily work for me. There were some issues. There were some streaming issues uh, between that end of things and when the, the 10 p.m. main card started. So there, there are some kinks. Uh, I'm excited to check out Ariel and, and Chael's show more often. I like both of them as personalities. I think Chael has really found his groove as an analyst, especially. Had somebody in the live chat say, well, why don't they have Ariel on, or uh, Chael on the UFC broadcast? Well, because UFC directly employs the people on their broadcast. So Michael Bisping, Karen Bryant, they're getting UFC checks. Ariel Hawani and Chael Sonnen, to my knowledge, are getting ESPN checks. And also, Chael Sonnen's getting a Bellator check. So I get the feeling that UFC probably doesn't want him on uh, that broadcast. But overall, I'm liking the the ESPN layout, all that stuff. I know a lot of people are going to be upset that they can't watch these these uh, fight night shows because they're off of Fox Sports 1 and they're on ESPN+. Plus. I got to say early on as a sports fan, it seems, seems well worth it to uh, go ahead and, and check that out. And they've got the free trial option. I'm pretty pretty optimistic about, about how that is. If you all don't mind, leave us a thumbs up, subscribe. That would do us a big favor. We are inching closer to that 1,000 mark. We have tons of MMA and boxing news videos, interviews, uh, live updates, podcasts on this channel. Hit that subscribe button. I can't tell you how important that is. If uh, you all want to also go the extra mile, iTunes, even if you don't watch or listen on iTunes, leave us a nice review over there. That helps out. Let's go ahead and get into it, man. I'm going to go through these prelims kind of quickly. Uh, Chance Encounter, Tap Tap, Taparoos, Kyle Stewart. We had an interview with Stewart on the site. Uh, the the ESPN era started off with a good kick to Chance Encounter's uh, dick bag, quite frankly. Encounter's holds Stewart's hand and pulls it away out of back control to lock in the rear naked choke for the win. It was it was a very nice slick submission. I would say something about Trevor Whitman on commentary early, but he didn't really say much. But eventually they they brought that in. That's another aspect of this ESPN deal. They had Trevor Whitman analyzing what the corner said in between rounds. I don't know how he can take in everything that the corner says in between rounds because you only have so much time, but uh, they have him doing that. I like that aspect of it. It's the Mark Ratner, the Eddie Bravo role, uh, except for with rules or with scoring. You have it as a uh, as a corner man giving advice. I would love to see Frank Trigg in the role of, of Mark Ratner with the rules because a lot of you all don't realize Frank Trigg is a he's a referee as well and a very good one. So that's somebody I'd like to see uh, brought back in in that regard. Jeff Neal, unanimous decisions, Bilal Muhammad. If it seems to you like Bilal Muhammad was in the mix and on a hot winning streak and then all of a sudden is on these prelims, it's because he's won four decisions in a row. And this fight did not do him any favors. Neil met success early on and busts up uh, Bilal Muhammad. 
Muhammad turned things around in round two, but a late flurry from Neil threatened. And there was this uh, clash of heads that led to Neil dropping Muhammad. And that's how the, the fight goes until the scorecards are read. Uh, Neil halts that four-fight winning streak. He is it's fringe top 15 talent in this bout. So I, w- I would recommend you all checking this one out. In the first fight, uh, the encounter, Kyle Stewart fight, I said I'd give you all Rex. It was harmless and fast. It's a, it's a fight that would be on a, a co-main on a Bellator show that you don't know all at all about. And you say, oh, wow, Bellator had a show this weekend. Monster Energy Series. Maybe I should watch that. We have people talking about crocodile tears in one of the live chats. Boy, there were some tears after Dennis Bermudez retired. He did so after beating Tay Edwards via unanimous decision. He had four straight losses, but he very well could have won three of them. In fact, I'm glad that Daniel Cormier pointed it out because media and fan scoring had him winning all three of those fights. I think maybe with the exception of one, it was was about 50-50. But Dennis Bermudez, even though he had those four straight losses, he very well, by the end of this fight, could have been on a four-fight winning streak if judges saw what everybody else saw. And it seems like Bermuda has been around for a long time, but he hasn't been. Like 2011, 2012 is when he came into the UFC, but he's had so many just great, outstanding fights that it seems like he's been around forever. You, you look back at that fight with Matt Grice, that's one of the greatest fights of all time. Definitely one of the best fights I've ever seen at featherweight. And, you know, a lot of us know what happened with Matt immediately following that. He had that terrible accident um, that forced him to retire. But Bermudez is a 32-year-old man and a fresh 32. He turned 32 a month ago. So I'm not going to write him off at all, especially when you look at his fights with Feely, with Elkins, with Glenn. He could have won those with with one judge seeing things the right way, in my opinion. He could be on a four-fight winning streak right now. He's got a win over Max Holloway. Granted, it was a 2013 win, but any win over Max Holloway is a nice one. He went 3-0 on the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, there's a real good chance that instead of a, I think he he retired with a 10-7 and UFC record, you could be looking at a guy with a 13-4 and UFC record. You include those tough fights, it's closer to 16-4. Just, man... Uh, Joseph Bosa says, I think Dennis needed to smell the roses. He'll be back. Well, he had thought about retiring before this, but he said that he wanted to prove to his, his kids that, that he could get it done and wanted to end on a high note. And he's a guy who's made quite a bit of money, relatively speaking in the UFC, just out of fight night bonuses, he's made $250,000. Well, $275,000 because he got submission of the night or submission of the season on that Bisping versus mayhem. Tough season. He's been around for a long time. He's fought a lot. And uh, he's a guy that I think a lot of people don't realize they're going to miss until he's gone. He's fighting at lightweight, I think for the first time in the UFC. I'm pretty sure. Because I know that he fought there in Shine and like in M1 and stuff like that, but Edwards practically handed Bermudez that fight in the third round, just fell over with a takedown. Uh, there, it was a typical Bermudez fight. You split the rounds and you hope for the best in the third round. <clears throat> Godspeed to Dennis Bermudez. He said that uh, his uncle's battling cancer. Best wishes. That's that's heartbreaking. It's sad. Uh, you don't you don't 
ever want to hear that. And I'm glad that he got to win or go out on a high note. High note. Sato Wolf says, Trigg is a damn good ref, and he's probably more in touch than Ratner at this point. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, when we had Frank Trigg on podcasts last year and the year before, man, I, I loved how in touch he was with everything because he gets it from every aspect, promotional standpoint, the fight standpoint, the ref standpoint, a rule standpoint. Corey Sandhagen, he emptied the cupboard for a round one submission win over Mario Batista. We had interviews with both of those on the website. Check it out. Sandhagen just kept trying and trying. Uh, reverse triangle, <laughs> nope. Double wrist lock, nope. Armbar, yep, got it done. Uh, this was a hoot. While I, I could say that you could miss the Bermudez fight, but watch the speech, just watch this fight, man. That one was a good one. It was a blast seeing Sandhagen go in and out of those those uh, transitions. I like that. And uh, he's one to, to look out for. Man, he had a, a rough go of it, too. He was supposed to fight John Lineker. It was going to be a big chance for him. But you got to think that he ended up with the better result as things ended up because I don't know if he's beaten John Lineker. I'm not going to say that he's not going to beat John Lineker, but I didn't. I wouldn't have picked him. He wouldn't have even been my I got five on it picks, which if for those unfamiliar are my flyers that maybe you put five bucks on. Hmm. Not something I'm doing with uh, Corey Sandhagen against John Lineker. Maybe they'll get matched back up. Lonzo Minifield's one to keep your eye on. He clubbed Morea. Now, before commentary could even let us know that Morea was teary in his walk-up, he got put right on his ass. Not the greatest technique or anything, but Minifield is 8-0 and had a great UFC debut. And all of his other fights, this is something that I noticed, all of his other fights are in LFA, RFA, Bellator, or Dana White's Contender Series. Now, for a guy who's got seven fights to all be on stages like that, now at varying degrees of highlight, sure. But LFA and RFA, when, when you're speaking comparatively to some of the other places, the XFNs and all that, that's a that's a pretty good stage to be on, especially Dana White's Contender Series. I think he had two fights there. He stopped this fight very easily, and he's a guy that you're going to want to watch. I don't know how he's going to do against top talent. He's one of those guys that comes in and steamrolls people at 30, 31 years old. But I don't know how well he'll do against that top talent. But you got you to at least put your eye on him at this point. It was such a, a fantastic, fantastic performance. When you do something like that, that's and, – and one, you've already got the benefit of being a Dana White contender series guy. Do you think Dana White or the UFC – want to portray guys that guys and girls that come off that show as losers or unworthy or not on the level. Hell no. They want all these guys and girls to do great. So the fact that Minifield steps in, had a couple of those fights on the contender series and dominated Morea, that's that's a pretty good sign. Another one of my I got five on it was number 10 Joanne Calderwood, who welcomed Ariana Lipsky to the UFC. Now let me walk you through my I got five on it. I know we got a lot of new viewers. It is a segment I do previewing each event where I take a $5 flyer. Now, I don't necessarily pick this person to win, but I figure the odds are good enough for me to put five bucks down on. If you have it to lose, go ahead. Joanne Calderwood, I did pick to win this fight. And 
outside of the striking at range, which we saw out of Lipsky early on, I wasn't exactly sure how she was going to beat Joanne Calderwood. That's why I felt pretty confident in picking Joanne Calderwood in this fight. Now, we are a far cry away from when Joanne Calderwood, I mean, I remember her fighting five or six years ago, and it's like, man, she's going to be the truth. She's going to wreck everybody. And this was when she was in Invicta, when she had beaten Katya and went on Tough 20, and she was never really meant to be a 115-er, and it showed. But she stepped up, fought in this weight division, and she's 3-0 and in it because a lot of people might forget she's got that win over Valerie Letourneau at uh, UFC Fight Night 89, I think it was, in 2016. So she's technically 3-0 and in this division. Calderwood moved in and out of the half, the side, and the mount after she dragged down Lipsky. Lipsky seemed just knackered, man. Uh, it, it surprised me how quickly she got tired out. And as Seda Wolf says, I was surprised Lipsky was somewhat comfortably favored. She's got some power, but it's still relatively raw and hasn't faced the best competition. I still love my woman, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think she's going to do great things, especially in this division. But when when I see Joanne Calderwood at a plus 200 underdog, that just shocks me, man. That shocks me. I, I think she's a top five talent in this division. And quite frankly, I never want Joanne Calderwood to lose because I always want to hear her post-fight speeches. She has the greatest voice in MMA. She calls out Jessica I, and Jessica I, I don't know if you all saw on social media, but she threw a fit at the, the idea that Calderwood would even call her out. Like, is there a more perpetually angry person than Jessica I, and she was preaching positivity? I mean, I hope she gets the shot, the title shot, just so she can go on and get the damn thing. I wouldn't mind seeing Joanne Calderwood face Liz Carmouche. And you got Caitlin Chikagin, who kind of is in the mix, but not really. Caitlin never has interesting fight or good fights, quite frankly. And uh, lost to Jessica I, but it's like she never has good fights anyway. So even if she bounces back and wins one, she's never like, do you don't want to put Calderwood against her? Because then you might have Calderwood knocked off and Calderwood does have good fights. I love this fight. I thought it was a, a, a great fight. So I would expect Jessica I to get that title shot. I mean, she's ranked number one. She deserves it. Jessica I does deserve it. And she wanted this division long ago, as did Calderwood. But I look at Calderwood and I see that number 10 ranking and I'm like, man, she's got to be above Roxanne Modafferi. She's got to be above some of these women. Sajar Eubanks, get her out of that division. She, she's abandoned weight now. Get her out of the rankings. She wasn't making weight anyway. I, I put Calderwood up there with Carmouche, Joanna, Chikagin, and I. I think those are the top five. I think she's better than Alexis Davis. I think Joanne Calderwood versus Alexis Davis. If Alexis wins in March would be a good fight. They they announced several fights for Nashville, which we'll get to. We'll talk more about those on, on Tuesday, but uh, three women's fights for the uh, for the Nashville show, but as far as Calderwood, I just think it makes so much sense to have her against Carmouche. And really, I'd watch Carmouche fight anybody. I'd watch her fight a, a broom. Just just a good, entertaining entertaining fighter to watch. And I think Calderwood is probably a win away from a title shot herself. 
Number 13, welterweight Donald Cerrone destroyed number 11, Alex Hernandez. Boy, did Donald Cerrone, big brother Alex Hernandez. I can appreciate what Alex Hernandez is doing here, man. I think he got a lot more credit for that Benil Dariush win than maybe he should have. It doesn't seem like Dariush is exactly on the upswing in his career, but he got the win nonetheless. He got it on relatively short notice. He stepped in and fought an Olivier Aubin Marcier, who, um, man, I butchered that name. I know how to pronounce it, but beat him too just a few months later and was looking to cap off that 11, 12 months or so. And wasn't able to do it, man. Donald Cerrone, I had a lot of questions about him moving back to lightweight. Several years away, weight cutting is never great, as we'll talk about later with TJ Dillashaw. But Donald Cerrone can make the weight. He doesn't... (laughs) Donald Cerrone, who, uh, as we looked at things, maybe, oh gosh, what was it? Earlier this year, or a year ago. Heading into the anti Medeiros fight, we looked at Donald Cerrone and we thought, man, if he loses this, he might, he, not only might he be done, he might be done as a guy you can throw in a co main or a main event of a fight night. Not anymore. He's won three of his last four. Be anti Medeiros and Mike Perry, who are very similar fighters. This win over Alex Hernandez is a much bigger win than either of those. In fact, as far as rankings goes, I would say that Alex Hernandez might be the highest ranked guy he's. He's beaten in, gosh, since 2016, 2015. So Hernandez seemed to get the best of the clinch exchange early on and got in and out with some strikes, but Cerrone took him down. So Hernandez scrambled really well. I was impressed with that. And then it was just all Cerrone, man. Cerrone started to counter really well. And that's not something that we always see out of Donald Cerrone. He doesn't necessarily counter the best. Sometimes Cerrone gets cracked and he's just not the same. Sometimes when we see Donald Cerrone and somebody else pushes forward and makes him backpedal a little bit, that can be the beginning of the end for him. And regardless of how he did tonight, I don't like the idea of him at lightweight or didn't until after the fight. So Donald Cerrone... Just countered really well, busted open Hernandez, and then fathered, just father-figured Alex Hernandez with a head kick and followed up with some violent strikes. Just nasty. Oh, my gosh. This was the type of performance that Donald Cerrone, I think, really, really needed. He, he won by armbar with, with Mike Perry against Mike Perry. He he finished Yancey Medeiros. You know, he finishes people. That's it. The last decision he had was four years ago. But this is a top 15 opponent in Alexander Hernandez, somebody who was on the come up, somebody who really trash talked him 26 year old Alex Hernandez who's going to be hanging around in this division for quite a while and Cerrone out of nowhere was just like you know what now I want a title now I want it even more important than a title at lightweight is getting your your card punched your ticket punched to face Conor McGregor Donald Cerrone says I want to fight Conor McGregor well you know I didn't think it was realistic I didn't think it was possible When a guy named Nate Diaz called out Conor McGregor, I didn't think it was possible either. Didn't think it was going to happen. 
Then Conor McGregor takes to social media and says, after a fight like that, respect, I'll fight you. Okay. All right. You think I'm going to be mad if Conor McGregor comes back and I get those sweet little clickety clacks? Your boy's going to be real happy about that. Donald Cerrone versus Conor McGregor? Well, one, you know neither one of those guys are going to pull out of the damn fight. They just don't do that. I think the only time that I know that Cerrone pulled out of a fight was, I think he had a blood infection, didn't he? Yeah. I think Cerrone's been pulled out on like seven times. And the only time that he pulled out was out of the Lawler fight that was supposed to happen um, with a blood infection. And then he came back and fought three weeks after he was supposed to. Conor McGregor shows up no matter what. You don't have to have a title on the line if those fight. But, now let me just toss this out there. If you're Dana White and you want to give Conor McGregor an incentive to take that fight, Donald Cerrone doesn't need incentive. But maybe Conor McGregor does. He'll accept fights publicly, but privately, Willie, I don't know. Well, I think I know a pretty solid way around that. Conor McGregor wants to be a three-weight champion. Not at the same time, but 165. Why not? We'll talk about it on Tuesday, but if you don't have a women's featherweight division, not a real one anyway, maybe don't have a flyweight division. We don't know how, how that's going to unfold. think it's a no-brainer. That- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. That fight doesn't need a title. Doesn't need a title. But I think it's the the right thing to do. At least from a promotional standpoint. Why not? Watch this fight. It was great. Number 12, Glover Teixeira put Carl Roberson to sleep. I think I had Roberson winning this fight because I just thought that that Teixeira eventually is going to end up just falling off. And he has to some degree. Glover's 39. He's won two of three. He's not beating any top five guys, but he's a great person to have in the division. We see Roberson pushed up against the cage by Glover. And he lands what are called the Travis Brown elbows, but quite frankly, Conor McGregor landed them in a Cage Warriors fight before that. And I thought Teixeira was done. I thought he was out. Huge win for Carl Roberson. Make him famous off of this win. ESPN Plus debut. 
Then he gets swept and put in a series of arm triangles, taps the second one. Arm triangles, my favorite submission in the world. I don't know how Glover keeps doing it, man. And when you look at him, who's he going to fight next? I think it's got to be more fresh blood. I like the idea of him fighting. Uh, I, I like the Kutilaba matchup. I think they should go back to that. Ian Kutilaba seems like seems like one that makes a lot of sense to me. But you have you have plenty of guys that that Glover can can go against, and either he can continue to solidify his legacy and his place in the division, or somebody can make their name off of him. And I'm completely okay with that. That's that's what Glover's doing at this stage. He had his title match. He's He's been there. He's done that. Didn't didn't win the title, but and and I really don't think he's ever going to be back there at that level. I don't see him beating Dom Reyes at this point. Even uh, I mean, anything's possible. Dom Reyes is still pretty green and could end up dropping that one. But as far as as far as Glover competing in the in the top three of that division, I don't see it, man. And I know there are going to be some people that that think of what he was and try to call for that. Probably ain't beating it. it, it I mean, maybe he can end up beating Blahovich, who is a top three guy. If Daniel Cormier leaves the division, I don't know. <clears throat> Say to Wolf says, "Man, I got to wonder what it would be if Glover never had visa issues." Ain't that the truth, man? He didn't get into the UFC until his, until he was deep into his thirties. Well into his 30s. This fight was a great watch. And hey, you know, I say maybe he'll never get a title match. Somebody injures their knee three or four weeks out of out of a title fight and they need somebody to fill in. He could always be that guy. I think they should rebook the, the Qtilaba fight. Paige Van Zant comes back to beat Rachel Ostovich. This is a fun fight to watch. Rachel landed some nice power doubles. I love the overhand that landed into the power double. Paige Van Zandt is able to prevent herself from being choked a couple times. Then early in round two, Ostevich gets gets shaken off of Paige Van Zandt's back and gets pounced on. I love the aggression from Van Zandt here. She realized this was her opportunity to win. Uh, Rachel Ostevich was not going to give her the space or the time on the feet for Paige to land strikes at range. And when Osevich came in, she was landing that 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 overhand. Well, she landed that overhand that set up a takedown. And if you all saw those power doubles, there was no way Paige Van Zant was stopping any of those. And I think she knew she wasn't going to stop any of those and was like, ah, you know what? Let's not make a habit of getting put flat on our ass by Rachel Osevich, who is also she's she's a heavy flyweight to have on top of you. She distributes her weight. Very, very well. Uh, for somebody who hasn't fought that much, she does those things very well. She knows how to use her legs. She knows how to use her physical attributes to power through somebody. She's very good at that. And Paige Van Zant, you know, I thought she used to be able to strike at range very well. Grant, granted, that was at straw weight. This is at fly weight. She doesn't have that ability now. She wasn't getting that going early on. She wasn't. She wasn't able to prevent that takedown. And... Page transitioning from the mounted strikes from the back into that triangle or uh, into the arm bar. 
that was nice. Like she was recognizing where Rachel was going at all times. It was really nice. Paige didn't have to let that go that early. Rachel tapped and the ref didn't see it. And if you've ever seen any number of fights where the referee is just completely out of fa- place. The one that stands out to me most, if you all go back on YouTube and watch, uh, I think it was Marsha Allen and Jessamine Duke where that ref was just inept the entire time. That's what you got to count on. You have to almost assume that the ref is going to be inept. But Paige Van Zant gave the ref a little bit of credit, let it go. Uh, Ostevich didn't pretend like she didn't call for, for the end of that fight. It was, it was a fight that Paige Van Zant really, really needed to win. And Ostevich, I think, feel like she gave it away. Paige had gone one and three in her last four fights and needed to get back in the win column. And this was a good fight. And this was a, the type of comeback win that Paige Van Zant needed, but she just needed a win. Even if it was an ugly split decision or majority, whatever, she needed to get the win here. Because, quite frankly, Rachel losing under these circumstances, I don't know that anybody's going to hold it against her considering all that she's been through. But Paige losing this, it could have been really detrimental for her career. And I have a lot of people saying she'll be WWE bound one day. She's made for the WWE. I don't know if she is, man. I think she probably would have been primed for WWE a couple of years ago. She doesn't follow WWE. She referred to women in WWE as WWE divas when we interviewed her. That shows us that she doesn't really pay attention to what's going on. And quite frankly... Although she spent some time at Alpha Male and I'm sure has some solid, uh, obviously has some solid background experience, she's not Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey is a, a fantastic judo player who does things that a lot of pro wrestlers have never seen. And Matt Riddle was a wrestler, an amateur wrestler who only got an MMA because he wanted to be a pro wrestler. Doesn't always, uh, Josh Barnett, a catch wrestler. Doesn't her, her skill set? I don't think would necessarily translate too well. Number two, Joseph Benavidez, unanimous decision win over number eight, Dustin Ortiz. Both men showed up on the championship weight. Wise, wise on Dustin Ortiz's part because you just never know what will happen. Maybe Joseph Benavidez slips on a banana peel, and so does T.J. Dillashaw. Well, all of a sudden, you've got yourself a title fight. He's not getting a title fight anytime soon. He lost his uh, second fight to Joseph Benavidez, uh, but this one was a lot more. This is a more level playing field than their 2014 bout. Round two saw some amazing transitions and sweeps, really good groundwork in and out of that. But uh, after Ortiz met some striking success early, he got dropped with a huge left hand at the end of round one that really spelled the, the turning of the tides in my estimation. Benavidez handled it, and you know he he won. He controlled the majority of the fight and took the win. He wants a title shot, and I don't blame him. He should be asking for it. And ah, uh, man, so that fight with Cejudo and Benavidez was real close. Questionable, <laughs> questionable result. Although I think I had picked Benavidez to win that fight, I think Cejudo actually did win it. And Cejudo was deducted at uh, one point in round one because of the, the low blows. But you see the level of improvement that Cejudo's had. I don't know if you guys remember after the second time that Mighty Mouse beat Benavidez. But man, you could tell that he was just never going to get a title shot again unless somebody else won that title. 
And since that Mighty Mouse loss, he has went eight and one. I've never seen somebody as depressed in a post-fight speech. If you can go back and find that post-fight interview on Fox, I think it was. Oh my God, it was heartbreaking to watch. Benavidez in that shape. He was just, oh, yeah, I, I felt uncomfortable watching it. I was like, man, this is a guy whose dream has been just shattered. It will, and he he knows he knew that anybody beating Demetrius Johnson was an incredible improbability because he's quite frankly one of the best fighters in the world. So I don't know, man. Uh, I I don't think that he gets that title fight because I don't know that this continues. I don't know that that this fight or that this division exists. And if it does, you got to go, why are you firing Shorty Torres? Why are you getting rid of him? Why are you getting rid of him to begin with? Why are you letting so many of these flyweights go? Bad idea. If you're keeping this division, which I don't think they will. Number 15, Gregor Gillespie ragdolls Yancey Medeiros. That's what happened, man. Gregor Gillespie just mauled Yancey Medeiros. Now, I thought that Yancey Medeiros at his betting line was a solid one. It was one of my, I got five on it, especially at TKO. It was like plus 750 or something obscene like that. But Gregor Gillespie wasn't having it, man. He took Yancey Medeiros down and just, just mollywopped him for two rounds. And towards the end of the second round, he got some great ground and pound for the late finish. Gillespie says that he wants to uh, to fight two more times this year. He only got hit once, so he's well on his way. He's 6-0 and in the UFC with five finishes. That's that's a good way to establish yourself, but this fight, even despite the despite the the, the level of talent that he is, you gotta wonder, man. Like, what what did the first round and a half? I mean, he he eventually won the crowd over afterwards because the crowd was booing him, and he talked about how happy he was to fight in New York, and eventually won over the crowd. They weren't happy about it before, but man. He's he's got to be the the least talked about six and zero fighter with five with like five finishes that I've ever heard of in the UFC. Maybe you all can name another one. I don't know, but Gregor Gillespie's got to get a top. I think he deserves a top ten opponent. Quite frankly, he should. I don't know how he'll do against them. Nothing has indicated to me that he would have that much trouble with a top ten opponent. But when you <laughs> When you go when you go six and zero in that division, and you're able to treat Yancy Medeiros the way that he did, I think you deserve, you deserve that top ten opponent. Oh boy, let's talk about this shit show. Greg Hardy gets DQ'd. Jesus Christ, man, what was this? So I found it incredibly wild that Greg Hardy would be such a massive favorite against any heavyweight that had 20 fights between pro and amateur. 
I just thought it was unbelievable. Couldn't couldn't believe it. And that showed. He came out aggressive. Alan Crowder put Greg Hardy flat on his ass for the takedown. Worked out of a crucifix. Really, if you get a crucifix in MMA, you should probably be able to take home that victory. Kind of shows the skill level of an Alan Crowder, but later on in the fight, Alan Crowder really agged on Greg Hardy. And <laughs> he got the crowd on his side as a result. And Greg Hardy looked a little bit tired after after uh, that first round. He got the pain put on him. He got laid on by a much bigger dude. And if you ever wondered how, how will an elite NFL player, an elite athlete translate over, I mean, we've seen plenty of NFL players move over, but Greg Hardy's gas tank isn't, isn't Pro Bowl quality. We found that out. He stuffed the takedown. And threw a knee to Alan Crowder. And it was just, quite frankly, I'm going to try to pull it up, but our article's down for some reason, so I won't. Ain't tough to find. Got asshole chants from the crowd. Now, I saw a lot of people say, ah, he doesn't abide by life's rules. What did you expect? I expected a professional MMA fighter in the UFC to know the goddamn rules is what I expected, regardless of of what happened. But he, he does have problems with controlling himself. I mean, that's something that you can lend credence to based on his his checkered past. I think they're probably going to run this fight back. They should. Greg Hardy probably wants this fight back. I would. I'm sure Alan Crowder doesn't want to win this way, but. He was one of my I got five on it picks. So, hey, you cashed in. Uh, This was a bum fight. From Greg Hardy's point, he's not UFC quality, man. He is not. Alexi Olenek pulls guard and taps this guy out from the bottom by tying him up in under a minute and it's not even close and it's not even close the only thing i'll say is it was impressed that hardy did not lose when he crucifix got crucifixed that was it that was it and his aggression early which is all he's ever known worked for him sure sure man so UFC flyweight championship super fight. Henry Cejudo just steamrolled TJ Dillashaw. What kind of breakdown can I do on this, guys? This was this was a, a drubbing. Let's go ahead and take a look at it. I'll go ahead and show you all as it appears on FightfulMMA.com. But bam, there's the knockdown. And that's a wrap. Not going to play too much more of it because I don't want to get demonetized or a copyright strike from the UFC. But Cejudo takes home the victory. There was a question among some whether or not the stoppage was a little bit quick. Now, quite frankly, when I know that a guy is, quite frankly, as I said that twice, running low on some of the CSF fluid, the cerebrospinal fluid that cushions your brain from impact, I, I probably stopped the fight about when uh, when they did. I think it was a good stoppage. I'm all about it. Cejudo wins. What does that mean for flyweight? I don't know. What does it mean for Dillashaw? Well, he's still got a title. 
Uh, here's the new UFC Legacy Championship, which I thought honestly looked better in the cage on the fighter than it did in pictures. Now, that being said, I didn't think it looked great. I'm hoping to talk to Belt Fan Dan about this a little bit more. But if you're Henry Cejudo, who's next? Benavidez at flyweight? You could do that. You could certainly do that. Benavidez has that quote-unquote win. Henry Cejudo offered up TJ Dillashaw a rematch at Bantamweight, which TJ Dillashaw on the spot accepted. Cejudo wants to retain this division. I think if you do retain that division, you need to say some I'm sorry's to a couple of people. Bring back some flyweights that maybe you let go. And Dana uh, is speaking to Aaron Bronster and saying that it was an early stoppage. Could the ref have waited a little bit longer? Yeah, I'm sure he could have. But do I want TJ Dillashaw to be walking around drooling from his face? No, not really. TJ Dillashaw says it's not a loss. I'm not going to take it as a loss, but it, it was a loss. It was certainly a loss. It was one-sided. He got caught stepping in against a much faster opponent, and, and that's not easy to do. TJ Dillashaw, Dillashaw has some of the most just supreme footwork that, that I've ever seen. Dillashaw at the... Post-fight presser says he was more rocked in the Cody fight than tonight. Says that he didn't lose, but props to Cejudo. He felt good with the weight cut. Says that he would not accept that victory if he was Henry Cejudo. Hopes the division stays around so he can fight Cejudo at 125, but won't commit to fighting Cejudo at 135, saying I'm bitter now. This after he accepted the fight in the cage. Dillashaw wants to fight Cejudo as soon as possible. This is all over at Fightful MMA. If you all haven't followed us yet, please go do so. TJ says that Cejudo's aggressiveness surprised him a little bit. Says that he told uh, Mark Henry, congratulations, or Henry Cejudo, congratulations after the bout. But really deep down, are you happy with that? I wouldn't call myself the double champ winning that way. Salty, salty Dillashaw. We also have some some word from Greg Hardy at the post-fight presser. He's at the podium, says he takes responsibility for the knee, didn't do it on purpose. He felt good, is very remorseful about the knee, apologizes to everyone who put put their reputation on the line for him, and now gets defensive, saying that he's never cheated. Says, go ask Tom Brady if I cheated when I sacked him. Says it'll be back as long as Dana White will have him. Wild, man. Keep in mind, guys, if you're watching this live, we have Pacquiao Broner coverage. Carlos Toro will have a live podcast either tonight or tomorrow. But leave us a thumbs up and subscribe. Hit me with your questions if you want. I'll answer a few of them. Marias versus the Sun Sal for the winner for TJ. Yeah, I would be okay with that. If they're axing the flyweight division, I think you got to give Henry Cejudo the, the bantamweight title shot since he just beat Dillashaw. But um, otherwise, it's Cejudo and Benavidez or uh, Dillashaw and against the winner of Marias and a Sun Sal. I'm tired of the bantamweight carousel. I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm tired of it running back everything. Dillashaw and Cruz run it back. Garbrandt and Cruz, run it back. 
Dillashaw and Garbrandt, run it back. How about Cejudo and Dillashaw? Let's run it back. Now I'm set, man. I want to thank you guys so much for visiting FightfulMMA.com. We're going to have more exclusives than ever. We're going to have more news than ever. Uh, more timely than ever. If you enjoyed our live coverage and discussion, I know that the Talking MMA group was there tonight. And hopefully forever, I really enjoyed you guys. It was a blast. Monday Night Raw, join us. Tuesday night uh, after or during SmackDown, join us. NXT Royal Rumble, join us. Bellator, join us. James Lynch will be on the scene at Bellator sending us content all night. We have streams of the NXT press conferences. We have a lot of exclusive news. We're breaking news all the time. Tuesday, we're going to deep dive into the future of the flyweight division. What's next for Paige Van Zant? Well, considering that there's not that many flyweights, I think she's probably going to get a top 15 opponent. Like, I think uh, maybe Montana De La Rosa. Seems fair enough to me. Joseph Boza says, cool that James is covering Fedor versus uh, Bader featuring Jake Hager's debut. We do have the Jake Hager interview up. We broke the news that our truth is supposed to play him to the, to the cage. I would be surprised if that happens, considering that's the night before the Royal Rumble. I am very excited for Fedor versus Bader. Boza says, tired of the TJ Dom Cody triangle. That's why I asked for Marlon, uh, a Sun Sal winner, to get him. Yeah, I agree. Any word on Nico Montano? Nothing. She has been removed from the rankings due to inactivity and no word on an opponent, on a fight, or on anything. Radio silence in that regard, and I've tried to find out. When you are a former champion, but you're still 4-2 and two in the UFC, you don't have a lot of negotiating power. She hasn't fought in over a year. And if you all heard our interview that we did with Valentina Shevchenko, she did not believe that Nico Montana was going to show up for this fight. She never believed it. So I don't I don't blame after after Dana White was fed that line from Valentina Shevchenko and and a rightful one at that. I don't blame them for not being eager to work with her especially after the issues that that Montana had really that entire season. That's why the, the 125 title should have been Joanna versus Shevchenko from the jump. There is nothing wrong with putting what is clear to be your two best fighters that will compete at that weight in the title fight. It's okay. You don't have to do a tournament, especially an ultimate fighter tournament to try to make people care about a concept that just doesn't work. That's where we are. Thank you guys so much. Subscribe. We're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.